Hello, everybody. My name is Ante Arto, and welcome to the Psychic Matters podcast, session number two. If you're already subscribed to the show, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate you. There's a lot of fantastic content coming up, so do stay tuned. And if you're new to the Psychic Matters podcast, welcome, welcome, welcome. Do make sure you subscribe to the show because I'm here not only to teach you proven techniques for spiritual and psychic development from the comfort of your own home, but I'm also here to investigate the teachings of experts across the globe to bring you their wisdom, their advice and their spiritual wealth. So in today's show, I'll be talking about the magnificence of the soul. How do we know we have one? What is the soul and does it really exist? What is the difference between the soul and the conscious mind? Let's begin. There's a voice inside your head, a voice which never stops talking. And it's mostly negative. Have you heard it? You know, the one that's constantly criticising and chattering. It's like the monkey mind it asks questions and you answer the questions. You can hear it if you've had an argument with someone. It talks about what it was just said and what you didn't say and what you should have said. <laughs> and it also responds with arguments from the person you've just argued with. It's like a voice with two sides. It answers for both parties. It might be that you said something nice to somebody and the voice in your head will replay that for you and it will re replay the other person's reaction and then it will replay it in a different way. Like if you'd said this or if you'd said that or if they'd said this or they'd said that. What, perhaps what you could have said and perhaps what you might have said. And you're sort of locked in with this crazy person in your mind. And you take this crazy person everywhere with you and you listen to them constantly. But you are not the voice. You are the one who watches the voice. Can you imagine you have an avatar of your inner voice? Give it a name. Uh, let's call it um, Pam. Um, can you imagine taking Pam out for a walk? I mean, imagine, right, she's standing right next to you and she's a living, breathing person. And you take her out for a walk and there she is talking to herself constantly. She's always muttering. She's mostly complaining, <laughs> verbally reacting to everything around her. And she's giving you terrible advice. She's getting everything wrong. She's replaying all these scenarios in so many different ways. And she doesn't care. She's just talking for the sake of talking. And now, can you imagine introducing her to your friends? I mean, <laughs> I mean, I don't even like it, but what are your friends going to think? And there's this same voice in your head, my head, and it's constantly chattering. It's exhausting to listen to. But again, remember, you are not the voice. If you can hear the voice, then you're not the, you're not the voice. You're the one who observes the voice. And this voice is your conscious mind. It's feeding back to you. Um, it's narrating the world around you. It's trying to help you make sense of stuff. You know, everything that's happening. And that's great. But it's not you. 
So when you're feeling, you know, you're feeling all these emotions, you're feeling happiness, you're feeling frustration, you're feeling great sadness, sometimes anger. But those feelings, they're not you. They're emotions, but you're the person or rather you are the soul self that watches everything unfold and you're watching from a place of great stillness. You think when you look at yourself in a mirror, you look at your reflection, say, as a baby. I mean, think of the amount of times that you've looked at your reflection in all of your years here on the earth. I mean, maybe you remember looking at your baby self or you might remember looking at yourself as a young child or teenager or as an adult. And you've had a different face at each stage of your life. We all have. And every time you've looked in the mirror, you see a different face staring back at you. I mean, you same person, but a different age of face staring back at you. You know, and I mean, currently I look in the mirror and I think, oh my goodness, <laughs> how did I get to this wonderful age? But I haven't changed. I, I haven't changed inside. My soul self is still the same. I'm the soul self who watches the mirror's reflections. But I remain unchanged and observant. There's a fantastic book which I do recommend that you buy and you read. And it's by an author called Michael A. Singer. And it's called The Untethered Soul. It's a number one New York Times bestseller. And after I read it, I felt, you know, I felt... There are things that Michael talks about in the book that I really resonated deeply with a lot. You know, I resonated with a lot of the ideas in there. And Michael talks about the fact that we're constantly thinking about ourselves and our psychological well-being. In the book, it says, you know, we're very fragile and anything can upset us. And the conscious mind is sort of anxious an anxious insecure thing and it worries over this and it it worries over that but what we've done is we've given it too much responsibility we've asked our conscious mind to make sure that everything we do everything we say is accepted by everyone around us and that we have asked to be the life and soul of the party that everyone's going to like us that no one's going to hurt us and we only want good things to come our way and we want life to be marvellous at all times with no problems. And, you know, our poor mind is desperately, desperately trying to make all those things happen. But we've given it an impossible task. And so our mind, which is so great and so obedient, it suffers and it becomes neurotic and fearful. Your mind tries to structure thoughts and present them as a package. And by having preconceived ideas about why people have behaved in a certain way, you feel safer and you feel more in control. And it's so interesting because we're so, we're so out of control. We can't control the outside world. It's just not possible. But what we can control, what is within our control, is how we react to the outside world. Our soul is an energetic body. 
it's the part of us that knows who we truly are. And it's the part of us that loves us unconditionally. It loves and adores us. It's the part that always sees the good and the true within us. Our soul is the stillness within. It's the part of us that remains untouched by the outside world. And it's the part of us that is as old as time. It's the part of us that never dies. Once we're finished here in the physical world, our soul will leave the physical body and will return to the spirit world. And it's interesting because if you've been brought up in a religious family or if you've turned to religion later in your lifetime, we are encouraged to pray and connect, but we don't we don't really understand, um, we don't fully appreciate, I suppose, that we can communicate with our own soul and that communication with our own soul, our own intuitive knowing, our own knowledge is either not recognized or it's not encouraged. And we always seem to have to be praying to somebody else. And, and what is prayer? Prayer is just focused thought and focused attention. So we're always focusing on the external rather than the internal. So I think that we can find ourselves moving away from our soul's calling. And when we move away from our soul's calling, we become restless and we become unfulfilled and we find life is really challenging and very difficult. And we sort of intuitively know that there's something more, but we can't put our finger on just what it is. And we just know that life is hard. And so quite often we can turn to alcohol or we'll turn to drugs or we'll turn to extreme behavior or risky behavior just to try and touch a place within ourselves where we don't care about the physical world. We can leave that behind and touch some part of ourselves that is so much more or we just want to escape from the physical world. But our soul is filled with infinite creative possibilities to manifest itself. And it's that pull that we can feel sometimes when we, we want to draw or write or we want to take a photograph of something beautiful to capture the beauty that we're witnessing. Or it's the pull that we can feel if we want to act on the stage or or paint something beautiful or create something or just to appreciate nature. The pull of our soul tries in some small way to express something of the magnificence of our spirit within. And I think the trouble is that we see ourselves as being these physical human beings and we think that that is where we begin and that's where we end. But that's where we go wrong. We're not a human being. We inhabit this body. I mean, I have this body, I have this flesh, I have these bones, I have these wonderful organs that work and keep me alive. But my true self, my soul self, is where I reside. And when I die, I go back to being my soul self in its fullest capacity. Part of it is here in the physical world and part of it resides in the spirit world. See, the soul is capable of looking at your human life from a higher perspective. 
you know, I've said it resides in the spirit world, which is, of course, the place of all knowing. And your soul is all knowing. It knows everything there is to know. And it's capable of giving you incredible information and assistance. It knows everything you need. It's your true guide. So if if you sit with a psychic or a medium or an intuitive, they will be tuning into your soul self in order to to read your soul self. They tune into their soul self rather, and then they will be reading your soul self. So um, the person that um, is reading for you and your soul self know everything there is to know you know as a medium or in the psychic i know that i can pick up this information and i can give it to um the human being who's sitting in front of me but actually i want to tell you something nobody needs to go to a medium and nobody needs to go to a psychic we have all the answers inside of ourselves all the time we have our own intuition And, you know, you can always get in contact with that at any time. And I'll teach you. I'll teach you how to do that through techniques and exercises that I'll unfold as this podcast goes forward. Um, Things that you can try out for yourselves at home. But, you know, for now, just know that you are a soul being and you are very, very unique and individual. So we're all different. We have very different soul gifts that we bring here. And I mean, just imagine all of us, all of us listening to this podcast right now. If we were all to sing a song and we all sang the same notes, it's going to be a beautiful song or sound beautiful and powerful. But if we each sing a song and we sing our own individual harmony, Everyone will be singing a different melody. And if we combine all, the, all of the melodies with each other and we all cooperate, and we work effectively together, we can create the most majestic choir of voices. And that is what life is like. And that is what life should be like. Everyone, each one of us has our own unique soul's purpose. And we have to follow our own unique soul's purpose. And that's what makes a beautiful world. And that's why we can appreciate the beauty in another soul's talents, another soul's skills or gifts. But it's only possible if everyone, including you, the listener, steps into your own unique power, your own unique melody and sing that. There's no point in singing somebody else's melody, doing the same as somebody else. Because by stepping into your own unique soul self and living your soul's true purpose, that is what is going to bring you true fulfillment. And that's what's going to balance the world and balance all the other souls. We need you to sing your song. We need you to step into your own power. So, you know, how do we do that? Life is so busy. How? Can we sing our own melody? We're busy people. We're stuck in jobs we don't like. We're in relationships that we we find difficult sometimes. We're in a set of circumstances that we're stuck in. There are things that hold us back um, all the time. There's jobs and family and children and partners and elderly parents and rent that needs to be paid. And, you know, we have to ask ourselves, how can we use our own unique gifts when there's so much that stands in the way of them? 
but we are a field of energy. The energetic body is much bigger than our physical body. It isn't possible to determine where it starts and where it ends. Everything that exists is composed of energy. That's science. The physical component of an atom is 1%. The rest of the atom, 99%, is energy. Our perception of forms as fixed and solid is a perception. The more we look at anything, the more it disappears. If you look at electrons close up, they disappear in a fuzz and only energy is left. We can't see atoms, we can't see gas, we can't see electricity. Galaxies. There are 100 billion galaxies estimated to be in the universe. Just think of that. 100 billion galaxies estimated in the universe. And how many can we see? Five. I mean, we can only see five of them. Yet there are billions out there that still exist, but we can't see them. We can't see the human genome. There are 20,000 genes in a human genome. We can't see them. Potatoes. Potatoes. (laughs) Potatoes have 48 chromosomes. Two more than people, would you believe? Same as a gorilla. 48 chromosomes in a potato and we can't see them. (laughs) I mean, it's extraordinary. All these things exist, but we can't see them. The soul exists, but we can't see it. We can feel it. We can get to know it. We can understand who we truly are. But we can't see somebody else's soul. We can feel it, but we can't see it. We communicate with soul using our energetic body, which is a feeling sense. And it's a pull that comes almost from the solar plexus or the sacral chakra. It's a kind of pulling connection that helps you to connect with another soul. So everything in the universe is made up of energy and it's all vibrating at different frequencies. There are things that exist that we can't see, but it doesn't mean they don't exist. So, say for instance, once upon a time, we all thought the world was flat, but actually it is round. (laughs) But for hundreds of years, mankind didn't know that. We thought it was flat and we were happy with the explanation that it was flat. Once we knew it was round, we were happy with the explanation that actually it's round. And it, it shakes our worldview at its very foundations to think that we could affect someone at a distance with our thoughts or that we can use our hands to send healing energy to someone we care about in the same room or someone on the other side of the room or someone on the other side of the world. And these kind of ideas are running counter to many of society's fundamental beliefs, but it doesn't mean that they're not true or they don't exist. And I really hope that science catches up soon. We are much more than just our bodies, just our physical selves, just matter. We are energy as well, and that's been proven by science. So what we have begun to rediscover is that we have tremendous power to share that living energy with another living being. And we can use this huge power as a 
tool against all sorts of different disharmonies. And we can use that power ourselves to stay aware of our own energy, how we feel and how we feel can affect it can affect other people positively or negatively. And with intent and focus, we can draw things easily towards ourselves or we can push them away from ourselves, both the positive and the negative. Science and scientists are beginning to understand the body as a complex energy system. Body, mind and spirit. Because currently we're still working with the old Newtonian physics and the old Newtonian scientists viewed the universe as a gigantic machine like a great clock and so they decreed way back then that the human body was probably a machine as well. But now we're integrating that with the mind-body-spirit connection and we're beginning to understand how important that is. We know that the cells of our bodies are fed by various nutrients. We get them from the food that we eat as well as the oxygen from the air that we breathe. But our cells are fed also by a continuous stream of life force energy and the thoughts that we have Thoughts are things. Where attention goes, energy flows. And we're so engrossed in the physical world, we only think of ourselves as a physical being. But our physical packaging is so fleeting. This human body that we inhabit is very fleeting. Our soul is what has been around forever. And it's our soul that once it's finished living here inside this body, it will go on to the spirit world. So what is inside of us is an energetic and infinite being older than time. We are an energy of great intelligence. And you come with this intelligent energy to try and learn and to try and do something important. That is the energetic core of you. And once you understand that you're an energetic being and you came here to create good things in the world and to influence people in certain ways and to express the magnificence of your soul within and beauty and love, then your life becomes reconnected with your soul purpose. So you may have heard of chakras, energy systems within the body. There's hundreds of chakras in the uh, energetic field of a human body, but we usually speak about seven main chakras. Chakras, chakras, tomato, tomato, scone or scone. <laughs> anyway, I say chakra. But um, chakras are transformers of subtle energy. And so... We need to allow energy to flow around our physical body and our energetic body uninterrupted. Here's something interesting I learned, that each chakra within us interacts with other people's chakras and the chakras of people interact to create society's unique chakra system and society's unique chakra system relates to the chakra system of other cultures and societies. 
and the chakras of different cultures meet and form the Earth's chakra system, which we live in. And this energy vibrates within the evolutionary chakra system of our time. And as more people in our society balance their chakras, society will change. And as society changes, it will create a new resonance with other societies and nations it meets. And eventually, the peace we all desire will prevail in our world. But peace, world peace, it's a lofty goal. I can only imagine it is quite some time away. Aeons, we might think. So what can we do now? There are many, many things we can do to change the way that we walk in this world for the better. But how, how do we follow our soul's purpose? Quite often... As we walk here on the earth plane, we choose our life path out of fear disguised as practicality. There's a British writer, Sidney Smith, and he wrote that a great deal of talent is lost to the world for want of a little courage. And another writer, George Lois, wrote a book, very good book, do read it, Damn Good Advice. It's a brilliant book. And he says in that book, a talented but meek personality can never join the pantheon of the greats because timidity leads to mediocrity. Fear of the fray results in a great deal of talent lost to the world. The courage to create only superb work through thick and thin and fight to protect it at all costs is not generated in the head. It comes from your very heart and soul. We have infinite power. Everything you need is inside of yourself. You're perfect as you are. Our ego gets in the way. Our ego is just something that we do. We try to add to ourselves to be a little bit better than we are. But we don't need to add anything to ourselves to be better. We're perfect. We are perfect soul beings. Spiritual life, it doesn't happen only in church or a temple or a religious house. You can bring spirituality into everyday life. Consider what is at the centre of your soul's calling. Because not taking any action on that is absolutely exhausting and it's making you miserable. Something I tell my children as they've been growing up is this wonderful quote by a young man called Tony Gaskins. And he said, if you don't live your dreams, someone will hire you to make theirs come true. And so I've always encouraged my children to go and do whatever it was that called them. I didn't have that luxury with my parents. I had to go and get what they termed a a proper job. (laughs) I had to go and be a secretary. But what I really wanted to do was follow my soul's calling, which was to be an actor. That's what I really wanted to do. And it wasn't until my mid-twenties that I followed my soul path. So it's very important that we don't live someone else's dream for us. My parents' dream for me was to wear a suit, um, put on some tights and some high heel shoes and go in and out of the city of London and do a nice little secretarial job. But that's not what I wanted to do. I wanted to tread the stage and wear costumes and put on makeup and be different people and express myself in this completely different way in the world. 
So it's it's really very, very important that we don't live someone else's dream for us. Krishna, Krishna once said, you cannot be anyone you want to be. Your one and only shot at living a fulfilled life is being yourself, whoever that is. You have to be you. And some of us, we're lucky. We're born knowing what we want to do. I wasn't one of those people. I didn't know I wanted to be an actor from a young age. Actually, actually, I think I did. I'll take that back. I did actually know what I wanted to be. But it was kind of beaten out of me from a young age. <laughs> not, not physically beaten, although <laughs> that did sometimes occur. <laughs> That's what being a child from 60s and 70s does for you. We all got a spank from time to time. But, um, uh, but it took a while for me to get back on my path, you know, my path of acting and, and following what I truly wanted to do. And I mentioned in the first episode of this podcast that I have four brothers and me, so there's five of us, and two of my brothers knew exactly what they wanted to do from a young age. One of them discovered carpentry at school and he found out he was really, really good at it and he really enjoyed it. And now he's this wonderful cabinet maker and a master carpenter over in Brisbane in Australia. So if any of you are living in Brisbane and are looking for a fantastic carpenter, <laughs> I'll put his details in the show notes. Barry, Barry Teato, Brisbane. <laughs> quality custom carpentry. So Barry knew what he wanted to do as a child and I had another brother Nick and all he ever wanted to do as a child was draw, draw pictures and he was always brilliant at it. He was born brilliant at drawing. I mean it was just a waste of time having drawing competitions when he was involved. We'd all sit around in a circle as kids and we'd, I don't know, we'd pick something to draw and and then we'd all draw it. And after we'd finished, we'd all pass the drawings around the circle and we'd score marks out of 10 for what we thought um, that child should get for that drawing. And of course, Nickel was one because he was so brilliant. <laughs> um, but he went on in his life to become an absolutely fantastic illustrator and graphic designer. I'll put his name in the show notes too. I mean, <laughs> they don't even listen to this podcast. But anyway, let's give them a plug. <laughs> so... With my children, they were lucky. They knew what they wanted to do from an early age. And because of my learning and my knowledge, I encouraged that from the beginning. So the minute my son showed an interest in playing the guitar, I enabled him to get his first guitar. I, he had to do several chores, as I remember. I think it was £28, his guitar. So I asked him to do 28 chores for a pound each in order to earn his first guitar. And we put this little star chart on the fridge. Oh, such sweet memories. But anyway, he earned his first guitar and now he's in four bands. He's just finished a degree in sound production at university, or he's just finishing his degree rather. And um, music is his life and his passion. So that's my son. And my daughter, she knew what she wanted to do from from the minute she was born she wanted to be a fashion designer and I noticed when she was young if there was um, school book day well school book day is that what you call it reader book day I don't know but she would make her own costume the children go in dressed as their favorite book character and she would make her own costume she wouldn't 
she wouldn't allow me to get her one or give her one or make her one she had to make her own outfit and she'd go into the fabric box and she cut two pieces for the arms and she stitch it together she was four years old um with these big old stitches and um I'm not saying that she was a great sewer but I'm saying that she was trying to create a costume for herself um she never went to school in the same outfit twice she had one school uniform but yet somehow she went to school in a different outfit every day. How that worked <laughs> it remains a mystery to me. They had um, a few pieces to the school uniform. You had grey shorts, a white shirt and a gingham dress. You could also have a gingham skirt and a gingham blouse. And she mixed and she matched and she wore this piece with that piece and that piece with this piece. Um, or she'd wear her hair differently. Uh, and sometimes if she was just bored, she'd put her shoes on different feet. <laughs> nice to say to her, my goodness me, you'll trip up, put your shoes on the proper feet. And she'll say, no, I like them this way. Uh, and I let her. And believe you me, sometimes she went out in some incredibly creative outfits when she was very tiny. But um, I allowed her to explore that aspect of herself. And she went on to make her own clothes from the age of nine with a fantastic mentor that she had, Amanda Riley, with a fashion factory in northwest London. And now my daughter is at the London School of Fashion and she's studying a degree in costume for performance. So when we have the right people to encourage us to step into our power, our soul power and our soul purpose, that's great. And I mean, lucky them. Lucky, my kids were lucky. I recognised the importance of following your draw from your soul, but not so lucky for some of us because we didn't have that support. I know I didn't. So how can we find that in our lives now? How can we find out what our true soul's purpose is if we somehow feel we've missed the boat somewhere and you know, all we're doing is a job that we don't really enjoy and we're struggling to pay the rent and we're not happy. We're not following our gifts. So how do we do that? Well, our job here on earth is to make choices that create the right conditions for our soul's true purpose to flourish. So trying to find out what your true purpose is can be difficult or it can be very easy. And all you have to do is sit in the stillness of your soul and listen to what your soul is crying out for you to do. And it doesn't mean that you can necessarily, um, I mean, say for instance, another part of my soul's craving, I have an absolute passion for horses. I didn't go horse riding as a child. It was a very, very expensive hobby and we just couldn't afford it. My parents couldn't pay for one child if they couldn't pay for all five of us so they were good they kept things very equal in that respect so that horse riding is not something we did but when I was in my mid-20s I went and I learned how to ride a horse and uh, now I can bring that into my life in some small way I mean I can't own a horse I live in London for goodness sakes <laughs> where am I going to keep a horse um, but I have 
loaned a horse, which I've ridden once a week for a while, or I can make time once a month to go horse riding with a friend. So there are ways that you can some sort of bring in some of your um, passions from your soul into your life, even if you can't do it full time. You have to try to create happiness and follow your soul's passion in some small way and answer that call in some small way. And also don't forget, it might be that your soul's purpose is not revealed to you until later in your life. I mean, oak trees, they don't produce acorns until they're 50 years old. Colonel Saunders was in his 60s when he created KFC. Frank McCourt, brilliant writer, he was 66 when he wrote the Pulitzer Prize winning Angela's Ashes. So there is still time, no matter what your age is. And if this is the first time that you're coming to these kind of thoughts about following your soul's passion, then the time is now. It's time to embrace the magic of ordinary living. It's time to dedicate yourself to finding out who you truly are. A very big thank you to you, Psychic Matters listeners. You are incredible and I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you haven't done so already, please make sure you hit the subscribe button because next week we're going to be looking at places, colleges, courses and workshops, both online and in person, that you can go on to train and develop the intuitive side of yourself. After you finish listening to this episode, if you feel you'd like to practice getting in touch with your own soul self, I have put together a free 10 minute meditation for you, which you can download from my website. Go to anteato.com slash soul, S-O-U-L. So that's anteato.com, A-N-N-T-H-E-A-T-O dot com slash soul, S-O-U-L. U-L. And that will take you to a place where you can put in your name and email. And once you've done that, you will automatically be sent the meditation. Whether you are a beginner or whether you are a professional working psychic medium, it is a beautiful 10 minute free meditation that you can listen to while you're either sitting down or you're on the commute to work or you're in the gym. I've kept it short. It won't take up too much space in your phone and it won't take up too much of your time, but it is well worth listening to. So one more thing. Um, I'm teaching a workshop later in the year, which you may well be interested in. It will be held on October 10 and 11 at the Sir Arthur Conan Doyle Centre in Edinburgh, Scotland. And it's all about the soul and how to connect with your soul's purpose. It's called Soul Power 2020 Unleash Your Life Force. And it's an incredible, powerful It's an incredibly powerful program of soul exploration. We use guided meditations and exercises and past life regression hypnosis to look at your soul's progression from three very unique perspectives. We look at your soul from your higher self, looking at your soul's unique gifts, skills and abilities and what you have brought with you to this lifetime. We look at your soul from the point of view of your spirit guides and how they can support, assist and help you to achieve your physical and spiritual goals. And we look at the soul from your soul's infinite knowing, exploring who you truly are in the spirit realm. 
I'm co-teaching with a fantastically talented colleague and very good friend from the USA, Julie Haynes. And Julie is a professional psychic medium and intuitive life coach. And in fact, this will be a return to the Sir Arthur Conan Doyle Centre for both of us as we taught there last year. And we are um, absolutely honoured and very much looking forward to returning. Uh, Once again, it's being held on the weekend of October 10 and 11. So do head over to the Arthur Conan Doyle website where you'll find tickets on sale now. And we were almost sold out last year. So we're hoping that this year we will sell out. So do make sure that you book your tickets early and links and details will be in the show notes. So if you're driving right now, you don't have a pen and paper, don't worry. Just go to my website, anteata.com, head to podcasts and you'll find the show notes there with all the relevant details and links. Lastly, please know that I'm here to help you out. So do let me know what you need help with. What would you like to know about? I would love your suggestions for any topics you want me to explore in this podcast. Or if there's any particular person you'd like me to interview, just ask and I'll see if I can invite them onto the show. If you'd like to carry on the conversation with me and with each other or let me know what you would like me to cover in this podcast, please do head over to Facebook and search for the Psychic Matters group page. Once more, my name is Anne Teato and thank you for listening to Psychic Matters. Psychic Matters.